Just some podcast media. The thoughts and opinions expressed on Buried Pleasures are those of the host and the guests and do not represent any views of any organizations that we may volunteer for or be employed by. Listeners should be aware that there may, most likely, be profanity and discussions on topics that may require a little to another episode of Buried Pleasures. I'm your hostess, Pollyanna Amazing, and I am here today with a wonderful friend of mine named Abigail. And just before we get started, I wanted to remind you all that we are a part of Just Some Podcast Media family. That includes the wonderful guys, Ben and Tom, at Just Some Podcast for Advanced Practitioners, and also the lovely David Metzger, Nurse Papa. So, Abigail, Hi. So nice to see you today. Thanks for joining me. Oh, I'm so excited. This is really exciting. <laughs> <laughs> so Abigail and oh. I met on via Twitter, and we um, have a lovely bunch of people that we uh, interact with on there on a daily. I tell you, some of those guys are hilarious. Oh, yeah. Favorite. That's one of my favorite things to do in the evening is to jump on there and just look at the fools. I love it. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, anyway. I got you. <laughs> So, Abigail, if you don't mind, please introduce yourself, let people know who you are, what you do, where they can find you. I'm Abigail. Again, thank you for having me. Oh, yeah. um, I have the podcast called The Manic Pixie Weirdo, where we talk about all the different kinds of relationships that we have in our lives, from like animals to depression and anxiety, mental health, sex, you name it, like all the different kinds of stuff that you could possibly have a relationship with. Um, you can interact with me on Twitter um, at MP Weirdo Podcast or Instagram. Usually I'm on Twitter though. Uh, the Instagram is the underscore main underscore weirdo one. Um, or you can email me at mandicfixweirdo at protonmail.com. So that's how I found you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so thanks for so much for being here. But really honestly, when I, I was listening to a couple of your episodes of your podcast and anybody who talks about relationships in life or you know, I'm down with always. And just the fact that you don't just say relationships in the fact that love relationships or sexual relationships or anything, you go a little step further with relationships in life. And that's something that I like to focus on as well. And I think it's a very important part of how we get our message out there of positivity in the world is oh, yeah. by continuing to do that. So... Tell us a little bit about yourself, where you are, um, I don't know, geographically, if you choose to tell us about, tell us about what you're doing in life right now. 
Well, um, right now I'm having technical difficulties with my computer. So I am taking this week off and we will be back up and running. Um, and uh, so this coming week, we'll be talking about my relationship with wrestling. And then we have a really cool guest on who does like a wrestling podcast of his own. So we're going to talk about that. Um, I live in the Dallas metro area. Um, we just moved. So that was a whole thing. <laughs> I feel you on that, girl. I feel you. <laughs> but yeah, I hate moving. It's not fun. Yeah, no, but, Agreed. you know, so yeah. That's kind so of what we decided to talk about today, guys, is about love. And, you know, with a person who talks about relationships on a daily and has an awesome show about that. And for somebody like me, who my job outside of my podcasting life is definitely one that uh, it relates heavily, relies heavily on relationships and how I can uh, make people understand what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sometimes it's a little more difficult than others, but, um, I, you know, it's, it's important to know when you're starting out in a relationship, when you're talking about a love relationship, let's just throw that out there. When you're talking about love, what exactly does love mean to somebody? You know, like we don't communicate right. that so much, um, our own thoughts, but tell me, Abigail, what does love mean to you? Okay. Well, I spent a lot of time. I'm very grateful that I was gifted um, a lot of time to uh, discover that and like ask myself those deeper questions of like, what does that mean to me? What does love mean to me? And um, the definition that I came up with, oh, hold on just a second. I'll get it pulled up. It is, so this is my definition. Um, love is an experience it's a virtuous matter of the heart that cannot be described fully through words only expressed through action so <laughs> that's like my personal definition um because i'm all about like inclusivity um and i don't i sort of took a little bit um, anne hathaway had a speech and she said it is a love is a human experience and i didn't like that um because i don't think love is exclusive to humans i think that um like any living thing anything that is alive that could be considered alive um has some sort of connection and can communicate love and affection in some way so i wanted it to be like uh as inclusive as i could possibly get it so because i don't i had a philosophy class um i i love philosophy it's like one of my favorite my favorite things and uh i had a professor who asked us that question he was like well what is love uh -huh. and a lot of people's answer was um you know i think it's you know i think it's individualized like it's very subjective based on the person and while i agree with that he had a good point and he was like i don't buy that i don't buy that there is not one specific that you cannot come up with like a universal definition that everybody can agree upon right. um and I really like that because it made me think. It made me think about like, yes, it is subjective based on an individual, but that doesn't mean that you can't come up with something that like is broad enough yet specific enough to include everybody. So that's a fan. Gosh, see that you opened up a whole nother door of amazing things that you can think of love is, you know, in a, in a sense, 
you have a chemical reaction when you mm-hmm. see, we were talking about oxytocin yeah. and serotonin, that sort of thing, <laughs> epinephrine, norepinephrine, all of those feel good chemicals that float around in your brain. You, you know, love can, that's a part of what we perceive as love, perhaps, mm-hmm. or that's, that's in the line of thinking of that, but there's also how your body reacts in a comfort way. And, and what I mean by that is, is that feeling a continuation, that high feeling when you're like, oh, they're looking at me. I like them. I think I like them. That initial feeling of elation, does mm-hmm. it continue or does it kind of falter? You know, the longer that you're talking to somebody, maybe that's a little part of love. You know, there's the scientific part, but then there's also the emotional part. We always talk about emotional intelligence. Emotional intelligence sometimes um, could be considered a a portion of love, right? Mm -hmm. Because you're just trying to figure out how the other person is feeling by their body language, how they're speaking, how they look, what, you know, right. Like, are they looking at you like, you're gross or, <laughs> or right. sorry, eyes. you know, like on cartoons when the little hearts pop out of the eyes, <laughs> I'm going to have to ask my editor if she can do that. <laughs> Katie, please put little hearts and stuff. Right. Eyes. <laughs> but like in that thought, how do we get these perceptions? Like, is it just that we went to school one day and, and a cute boy walked by or a cute girl walked by? And, and now that you, you talked about inclusivity, you know, I didn't used to think about, you know, it's always boy, girl things that I was raised with. Right. So it's right. always a male, female relationship, but then I got, you know, I have these older kids now and, and it's not necessarily just that anymore. So that was another big portion of, of what you were saying, the inclusivity of it all, um, is figuring that out. So now I try, I'm trying, I'm always working on myself for one, definitely, but it's just finding those different avenues to get, to gain a better understanding of what exactly love might be. And where do you think you learned about love from? Where, I mean, like, what were your sources? Uh, That was a big one. (laughs) Life just life um I mean I've always been very uh so okay so there's a big presence in just when you are alive when you you know come into this world um is so there's there's only one thing in this life that you actually have to do and that's die that's it that's the only thing that you have to do um you're guaranteed that that's it. Everything else is kind of up to you. <laughs> um, and I, and, and, and because of that duality plays a big part in who we are as people, you know, it, it comes across through, um, in all forms of media, you know, there's always, you know, the good and the bad and, you know, the take a side, that kind of a thing. And, you know, I, I was always very interested in the philosophy specifically, like, um, religions just like various and unsundry religions and love played a big part plays a big part in you know those kinds of things and for me you know love is something that we have been talking about and the duality of like good and bad blah 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 blah. Mm -hmm. um we have been talking about this since 
the human species like has been able to communicate with one another. And I think that there is a common misconception. And so I've always been just very interested in that and kind of dived into it mm-hmm. um, from a very, very young age. And I was, I'm, you know, I was very lucky to uh, be raised in a family where it was okay to like explore those things um, and ask those questions. And I'm very, very grateful um, that I had, uh, you know, those opportunities. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know what happened. Um, but one thing that is okay so science and magic are two very very intrinsic things in my life um I kind of go off of the you know the quote that uh magic is just science we don't understand yet um and I love that um because for me it's like these questions all these questions that we as a species have been asking ourselves since the beginning of time they all have answers and at the root of that is love and hate and you cannot have one without the other. So uh, I'm very, I, I try to be as aware of that as I possibly can be. Um, and I love that duality and kind of exploring that. Um, and so I was just, I just got really lucky. I think that's just really it is. I just, I won like the genetic lottery and got really lucky and was able to be born into um, a family where they, were willing to like have those conversations and like you know sort of indulge me and uh put up with my ridiculous questions <laughs> you know i think you know, it's funny that you say ridiculous questions stop it right now <laughs> i honestly wanted to um for my own children i wanted to set up a situation like that and and i think i'm, I'm very successful in that it's so much so that sometimes they tell me stuff and i'm just like whoa hold up i'm good <laughs> <laughs> You know, thank you for your candid, you know, talk and speech. But um, I'm good. You don't have to tell me all of it. Some yeah. Of it okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm cool. But um, I did not. I was not raised in that way. And it's not that I wasn't raised in a loving family situation. Oh yeah, I totally was. But it's very hard for people. I think you know you really did hit the the genetic lottery for that. You really did. That's so cool that you say that. But. You know, it, my parents were very, um, very rural, very, mm. um, very conservative, to mm-hmm. say the least. My father died when I was 20. So, you know, there wasn't a chance for me as, a, as an adult to get to know him in a, you know, in a different right. way, to be able to have those types of conversations. My mother was a nurse, so conversations were not a problem. <laughs> I get I that. Think that's, I, I think that's where I get that from as well. But, you know, it's, it's so strange in how love has evolved for me in mm-hmm. the terms of, you know, you have that family love and then you start, you know, when you're in school or what have you, you start these relationships with other people. And when we talk about love, this is not just a sexual, you know, attraction, that kind of love. It's a love for people too. Mm-hmm. Um, that makes me really passionate about what I teach. I just want people to understand that love does not have to have any boundaries placed on it that you don't want to have, but it does need boundaries that you need, that you yourself Mm -hmm. need. I think that's important. And I think a lot of times females, I I can say, this is my opinion, 
females have a little bit more trouble, I think, sometimes with boundaries than men because you just want yeah. to please. You're constantly wanting to please. Oh, yeah. So, and that's in, you know, that's in a sexual way. You want to be pleasing. You want to be, you know, attractive and that sort of thing. But that's also you want to please people and make them smile and make them feel good. You just have to watch at what price you, you want to pay for that. You know? Yeah. Well, you know, I, I had to really do some soul searching about this too. And there is a difference and they do get misconstrued for each other and often confused a lot of the time. Um, and so, okay. So like the best way that I've come up with being able to explain the difference is selflessness is like, let's say you go to McDonald's and, uh, somebody ahead of you like their card won't work and it's just taking up a bunch of time and uh like you have the money to pay for their food and you also have the money to pay for your food self a selfless act would be to pay for their food and just say don't worry about it um and then like move on selflessness and self-sacrificing those are two very different things but self-sacrificing in that case would be if you don't have the money to pay for your food and you pay for theirs anyway mm -hmm. then like that's self-sacrificing and there is a difference between being selfless selfish and self-sacrificing and I think especially for those of us that um resonate on a very emotional level yeah. um I found that I especially in my earlier years, um, I was very self-sacrificing, thinking it was being selfless, mm -hmm. only to come to find out that no, in fact, I was being self-sacrificing. And in doing so, it turned into a form of like self-harm and it comes off and it can come off at times as selfish. And then you don't understand what's going. And then it gets very confusing and you don't understand what's going on. Yeah. Um, and so there is a part of that where like, you do have to take care of yourself and your needs too. And that's where those boundaries come into play. And those are boundaries that you have to set for yourself. And guess what? It can be, let me tell you, hard and stressful and painful. Right. And you can feel really bad about yourself when you set those boundaries because you feel like you're doing something wrong you're not you're not you're not you're not <laughs> it's a, you know would it be great if we just put on a shirt every day or just above our head just like in a, a video game that our intention level mm -hmm. is right above us <laughs> yeah so I'm intending to be really 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 helpful today or really really don't give a shit <laughs> yeah exactly like I can't deal like it just needs to be one of those neon signs you know it says like I cannot deal or like I can deal you know like vacancy or no vacancy <laughs> that would be fantastic I think that that would you know what my mentor always told us you cannot give from an empty cup I have taken that to heart so strongly in the last couple of years especially after you know everybody talks oh. about but life in general has been really, you know, when you do the, like you said, big moving and that sort of thing and stress levels are high, you have to have some kind of ability to give good information or quality care. Um, but if you're not taking care of yourself, you're not going to do that. And self-sacrificing is not necessarily the best way to go. You have to have some compassion for yourself as well as for those who you're trying to help.
mm-hmm. it just doesn't work. And, you know, regardless of your intention, it just makes it very difficult for it to work. So mm-hmm. I totally agree with you on that. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Well, and it can spiral out of control very quickly. And that's that's those are the situations that I found myself in a lot where like it it, it spiraled out of control very quickly. And I didn't understand how I got to this place because I was intending for it to be, you know, like, oh, I'm doing this for you. I'm doing this for you. Give, 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 give. Only you know, to, like you said, look down and go, well, I actually don't even have a cup anymore. Right. So I, lost that shit back six blocks ago, huh? right. I don't know. <laughs> I don't even know who I gave it to. I just like gave it to somebody. That's it. Somebody. Yeah, that's it. You gave it to him because you were too tired to realize that you gave it all away. Right. Yeah. I totally, I, I can totally see that. So we're talking about in, in, we were talking about not relationships, some relationship way of love. So in your own personal life, in your Mm -hmm. own love relationship, walk me through how you got to where you are in your comfort zone with your current relationship, like your love relationship. If you, if you intend that to be a love relationship. Yeah. Um, like I said, a lot of trial and error, mostly error. Um, (laughs) mostly error um and I don't know why that is I don't know why it took me like that long to like figure that out and I was just really um it's just because I didn't know what I was doing I had no idea and and I also didn't really feel like okay like being an adult just so those of you that don't know what that means it's literally just like you turn 18 and everybody's like good luck we don't know either (laughs) (laughs) the universe is just full of people that have no idea what they're doing and they're making it up as they go there is no secret okay that if there is that's the secret is that nobody's got a clue and we're all making this up as we go and so mistakes are going to be made lots and lots and some mistakes are bigger than others Mm -hmm. um and I had to find I had to be allowed room to make those mistakes um and I made a lot oh my gosh did I make a lot but I did find out things about myself that I didn't know before some I like and some I don't like and you know I'm a big advocate for therapy and that's where therapy had to come in and sort of be like okay so let's time out let's see let's examine this what's going on um and I needed that I needed that, especially in those love relationships. I found out that um, I'm pansexual. So that just means like, I don't care. I just don't care what you are, what you identify as. You know, I don't, it just doesn't matter to me. Not, that's just, for me, it's so low on the list of things that I care about <laughs> that I just like, I can't even think about it. It's just like, whatever. Right. Well, and you know what you're just saying? What you were just saying is people do have a problem with connecting love and sex, right? Like yes. Some yes. people have that need to make sex is nothing but love. Bullshit. Sometimes <laughs> sex is just Bullshit. sex. Sometimes, Sometimes sex is for money. I've done right. that. It's fine. Right. And <laughs> now, so let's talk about that for a second. Yeah. As as a sex worker, because I do have a lot of friends who are sex workers Mm -hmm. and we are all about positivity here at Berry Pleasures. And if this feels good to you, you do it. That's what Mm -hmm. I say. 
But as a sex worker, how do you, you know, like you're not in control of the person that's with you. And you would think that, you know, if you're entering into this um, amicable agreement that this Mm -hmm. is a, you know, this is an encounter and let's move on. Have you had any instances where this is a little confusing for people at all? Yes, I have. Um, And uh, for me, I had to learn to treat it um, as like a business situation. This is a business transaction. Um, I also had to set very early on, I had to set big boundaries um, that things that are just important to me, things that I, uh, I just, for whatever reason, choose not to like go there. Um, And one of those things was like, I refuse to sleep with anybody who was married. Mm -hmm. Um, That just, because to me, that's, it affects somebody else. And I don't know if that other person knows or is okay with this. And so for me, it was just easier to be like, I just, we're just going to take it completely off the table um, because I don't want those problems. So, (laughs) (laughs) So, but that was just, that was just something that I, I made for myself. I made sure that the person that I was with um, was not married um, and there was no like, you know, confused. So that just so there was no confusion or anything like that. I just didn't want to have to deal with it. So that was just my solution. Um, but I did have, uh, not really when I was a sex worker, but more when I was stripping, Mm -hmm. did I have people, uh, did it seem like those people felt like those lines were getting a little bit blurred, um, where it, it became a little bit more than just, um, like a business transaction or a companionship um people want I I realized that they wanted more and I wasn't available to do that um I also was 18 and didn't know that that was something that I was going to be having to get into yeah and um I did have to figure that out but I I that's why when I I stopped stripping and then when I just went to sex work specifically I kind of went into it going okay so these seem to be like the issues that I had when I was stripping. How do we like kind of learn from those mistakes right. and set those boundaries here? Uh-huh. Um, but once I was able to figure out how to set those boundaries, it was a lot easier to be like, okay, okay. So this is, we're just, we're doing this. And then it just became like, you know, a fun, a fun thing. And to go back, like to circle back to the love thing, um, there was an element of love there was an element of love involved with it. And it wasn't because there was sex. It was, um, it was a true like companionship kind of love, like you would with a friend. Um, It wasn't like, so for me, there are different sort of tiers of love. Uh And like, so at the bottom would just be like the basic human decency level of love that I just try to show like everybody, you know what I'm saying? And then as you go, it kind of gets, as you progress in a relationship with somebody, it goes, you, you begin to like, you go up those tiers. Mm -hmm. Um, and so for me, it just sort of hovered around, like, um, I enjoy being with this person Mm -hmm. and they enjoy my company and we're having fun so if this is where it leads, because it wasn't always sex. We didn't always have sex. Right. Sometimes it was just, you know, like dinner, 
right. or whatever. And, and it, but it was a form of love. It was like companionship form of love, like a, at most I would say a friendship. Sure. So but yeah. It's awesome that you have, you have the availability in your own mind to say, this is what it means to me. And it doesn't matter what other people have to say about what they think love is or what, you know, like just what you're saying, you were in these relationships be it one day, be it a week, be it whatever, mm -hmm. you don't necessarily have to equate it with sexual acts, right? Right. This is a companionship. It's a, it's a dinner. It's a, you know, a conversation for that matter. Yeah. Maybe that's just what people need. Maybe you are like the um, psychotherapy counseling that they never had the ability to reach out and get because a lot of people are stigmatized. Isn't that funny? Yeah. You will go to a sex worker before you will go to a mental health provider because of the stigma of each. Uh, you got to weigh that out, right? Which one right? is going to make me seem like the best person or the worst person? Like, I don't Whatever. It, that's yeah. a weird dichotomy, right? Like, to think it's that way. It's so weird. I think that says more about who we are as a society than, you know, like, than anything about an individual person. I just think that has a lot to do with, like, but see, and then my question goes to, why does it matter? Why can't, like, why does it, why does it matter who you go to? Right. And, and, and think about this. We can watch severe and horrific violent acts on television, on the news or whatever. You throw a pair of boobies up on something. Oh, oh all right. Stop it. I know I have such a I have such a weird relationship with like Hollywood and television and stuff because it's like okay why can I watch somebody get like sawed in half or lose limbs or you know be maimed mauled and like lynched but the minute you show a booby right. it's it's right. Like, the but, beautiful human anatomy versus right. somebody dismembering somebody well and see in Europe it's different yeah. it's in Europe it's flipped and I'm like I kind of feel like that's better. I don't know why, but I kind of feel like it's better. I would rather be a lot more desensitized to sex than be desensitized to violence. <laughs> I will, I will agree. I think that we really do. And, and, you know, because I have a bunch of kids that run around here in the evenings that play call of duty and that kind of thing. My husband, you know, like your entire mind, your mind doesn't know that you're not in that game. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like we were talking happy brain chemicals, your brain chemicals do not realize whether or not this is real or or make believe right? right so with it being real or make believe why do we need that stimulation why can't we have something beautiful to be stimulated by mm -hmm. why can't we appreciate those those subtleties and the quietness and the stillness without all the you know heavy metal blare music and gunfire and <laughs> Not that I, I mean, like, if there's a time and a place for all of that, you know what I mean? Right. If that's your thing, that's your thing. But I think that it's important to remember that those are questions you should start asking and start asking your friends is, hey, what are your thoughts on that? How come you, why is it okay to shoot people through the head and stab them and right. behind them, slit their throat? It's not okay for you to watch a video of some naked ladies or men jumping around in a field. Who knows? You know? I mean, well, and there's the whole, oh my gosh, absolutely. It's just, I just have, it's very, I mean, there's a huge stigma like around pornography and stuff. And I'm just like, okay, now listen, I have watched so many 
documentaries and read so many like books and articles and things like that about like sex trafficking. I am adamantly against that. I mean, I don't think anybody is for any of that happening. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Now, that being said, I am also very much aware that there are people that enjoy having sex so much. I am a very sexual being. And so I, I follow very like on the lower end of the spectrum, probably. Um, I enjoy having sex. I do. It's fun. I like it. It feels good. Um, it's great. Uh, it makes me happy. <laughs> now, there are people that enjoy that feeling so much that they want to do that as a job. Mm-hmm. And there are more people in the porn and, 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 and because there's such a stigma around porn, I just, again, it goes back to the video game thing. I don't understand what the big deal is. Like, I just don't care. I understand that there are, I think it's a, an older generation thing where there's a huge stigma around like watching porn. I just don't care. Um, and I just don't know, again, what is that about? I just don't understand. What is that about? Why are we so afraid of it? Right. Why are, cause that's what it is. It's right. why are we afraid of sex? It's, it's for me, honestly, <laughs> why I got into what I do now versus how I used to be. Um, my parents, again, Bible thumping, right. Know, Midwestern, you know, Northern. I grew up in the Bible belt. So there I get it. Yeah. So they only knew what they were taught. And in, in the, in hindsight, I think, you know, like my grandmother getting married, around the age of 12, 13, right? And having oh, eight children, right? I can't so even far, imagine. Right, I'm not so <laughs> far removed from that. There in my in my elementary, my sixth grade class, there were two pregnant girls, okay? Rural <laughs> Kentucky. And I know mm-hmm. you can say all the mean things you want to, but the, the bottom line is education was not there. And it was, I think it was detrimental to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. It's It's detrimental when you can't have talk you can't speak about subject matter because you know the lord jesus christ our savior is going to damn you to hell that's really scary for a kid right yeah yeah that's <laughs> really scary for people i mean really it's very that's terrifying especially if you grew up and that is like you know you have this idea and of course you want to go to heaven of course you want to go to heaven and be with like all the people your grandparents and you know your dog and like of course you want to go to heaven um and I don't but I also don't think that there is that we that we talk about that flip side too where it's like but I I personally don't believe like in hell, like in a, in hell being a physical place that you go when you die. Right. I believe you can create your own living hell. Right. Um, but I don't believe that like hell is a physical place that you go when you die. And for people who do believe that, I mean, the, the terror, just the absolute paralyzing fear of if I do this, then I, I won't ever be able to see my grandparents. I'll never be able to see my parents. I'll never be able to see my dog or my gerbil or my cat or like I, that would paralyze me with fear to the point where I don't, I could, I can totally understand how someone would be like, I'm either just not going to do it at all. I'm just, we're just going to have blinders on and I'm just going to like not pay attention to it. Um, Or the flip side to that is, 
once you hit teenagers and all those hormones get going, get which is kind, which is kind of what I did to be honest. I was just like, ah, you know. <laughs> I've definitely been told that joke, you know, um, preachers' kids and and kids' daughters of police officers. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> private dad, school kids. I was yeah, a private right. school kid. I lost it. I went nuts. <laughs> right, right. And but that's the thing too, you know. I think that my sister got pregnant when she, when I was maybe 12 years old. So she was, so she was 16. She wanted to get married. She got, she was able to graduate from high school early. She wanted to get married. That was her focus. That's all she wanted. So she got pregnant. So my parents would have to let her get married. Right. Well, a huge mistake later, unfortunately, she has a wonderful son, my nephew, Brandon, who's beautiful. I love you, nephew, Brandon, if you're listening. Um, (laughs) He's a, you know, he's a really good guy, but that's how I got to learn about being an adult and having like sex stuff talked in front of me because my mother was furious with my sister at the time. She was devastated by the fact Mm -hmm. that she would take that, you know, like she would sully the name of our family by doing that when all my sister really wanted was to be a part of something and to feel loved. Mm-hmm. And that's like, how do you, how do you tell somebody that that's wrong? You know, the, all she wanted to do was, was experience a different type of love that she'd never experienced before. Mm-hmm. And she was not allowed to do so. So she took it upon herself to try it. Well, that was a whole other like learning experience for me in that. And yeah. so I always told myself from that moment after watching my sister be in this relationship and have this baby and, and mistreated at some points and that sort of thing, I thought, shit, I'm never doing that. <laughs> oh my God. Like, oh I'm my God. I say that. that I say that all the time. My, I have, so I have two sisters. One is four years younger than me. I'm the oldest. One is four years younger than me. And then the little one is fifth, almost 15 years younger than me. And I have said that that was the best birth control my parents ever gave me because I don't want one right now. Like I don't want one right now. I mean, and from, you know, like a 15, 16, 17, 18 year old's perspective, um, it felt like I, I helped raise my sister for the first three years of her life. Now, again, perception of it and the reality of it, two totally different things. As a 15 year old, that's what it felt like. The reality was like, I was just being a brat and was just like, oh, I have to like, I've done, you know, and it's once a month, you know, wasn't, (laughs) but, but my perception of it was I was helping raise this child that was not mine. Right. And, you know, my mom tells the story of like, you know, she would have to get up in the middle of the night because my youngest sister would be crying as babies do, you know, they do that. (laughs) And, and me and my middle sister would just be like, can you make her stop? And because we're, it's three in the morning and we're trying to sleep completely. You know, the selfish teenager in me is just going, just make it stop. I don't understand what's happening. And yeah. So, but that experience and even to a certain extent, that perception, um, really kind of put the nail in the coffin for me where it was like, I don't want to do this right now. I really don't want to do this right now. Um, because I'm too selfish to be able to put the kind of time, energy and like, you know, commitment to a little human 
I, I just, I can't do that. I don't have the patience. I can't do it. And, and right now, that's right. not to say it'll never happen, right. but just right now, I know myself well enough to know, well enough to know, to be able to go, mm, I want to be able to give it back. Like, right. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. I totally, I totally empathize with what you are saying because I'm, you know, after I have, my son is 10 or sorry, seven years older than my daughter's. And after I had my son with my ex-husband, who we're friends now, but at the time we were not well. friends, <laughs> not friends, I really had to put a lot of thought into ever having another child because my pregnancy, like it was yucky. I didn't feel good. I had like, some complications and I was, you know, I was a brand new stepmother of two on top of it. Okay? Oh gosh. Right. I've been deer at headlights. Jesus, it was tough, but you know, right now the girls, Amy and Jill, if you're out there listening also, I love you guys. Um, they're wonderful young women now. And, and it's so awesome to get to see that, but barring all of that difficult, it was freaking difficult to have kids. And you want to talk about spectrums of love. You have this little individual that you have just brought into this world as a product of this relationship that's supposed to be grand and beautiful and whatever. And these little assholes don't sleep for hours. Like, oh my God. Maybe you maybe get 30 minutes of sleep at a time. You know, I I swear, my son did not sleep a night through until he was five years old. It was the most irritating bullshit ever. (laughs) Oh, listen, I was the worst when I was a baby, according to my, I mean, I don't want to hear about it from my dad though, because his legs were in the best shape of his life, but I apparently would not sleep unless I was moving. Like I had my, so my dad would pace the house. So I could sleep. It was the only way that I would sleep. And he tells stories. You know, he would sit down and all of a sudden my head would come up and he'd be like, oh, and just so he could get five minutes. But like, you know, so he's, I was like, your legs are in the best shape of your life. I don't want to hear about it. <laughs> but like, so some people are gifted with babies that sleep. My parents were not. <laughs> None of us slept. And my my mom always says, you know, we got about three years in, we were able to start getting some sleep and we were like, Hey, maybe we could do this again. And then my middle sister came and it was like, Oh, right. This is right. We forgot. (laughs) (laughs) That's the tough part about it. But you know, in all of this discussion, we, you know, we've talked, we've hit on a lot of different types of love, right? Like yeah. the love of a mom and a dad to a child or, you know, as a child to a parent or as in a relationship or in a non-relationship. You yeah. Know, it's, it's funny to think like, that's what I think that another shirt that we should all wear underneath our shirts is what's your, what's your definition of love? Because mm-hmm. when you walk up to somebody and I want to start a conversation, you know, it's not that I'm walking up to you to say, oh my gosh, I love you. I want to marry you. This is this and this is that. And this is how I want us to live forever. No, it's a, I'm going to give you mutual respect. And I hope that my mutual respect and my ability to talk to you lets you know how I feel about you. Like this conversation that you and I are having currently is so fucking awesome to me inside because everything you're saying resonates so highly with me. And so my love for you today is like, ah, it's exponential. 
And I freaking love that when that happens, that click, when you're like, oh, my people, right? Right. That's what we're all looking for is our own people, regardless mm-hmm. of who or where they are or where they came from or how old they are or how young they are. It doesn't matter. We want to find people with commonalities so that our love translates into your love. That's the mm-hmm. most important part about all of this. Freaking love this. Well, yeah. love is a language and everybody has their own language. And sometimes it's really hard to like translate it, you know? And so like, like, so with my, with my husband, um, you know, we, we knew each other when you know, we started talking when we were teenagers and then we kind of, you know, we went our separate ways and we didn't really have contact or anything like that. Um, you know, for like five or six years. And then when we came back, we had to, it wasn't just like, you know, we instantly clicked again. Like it would, we had to get to know each other again because we changed just that like short amount of time we changed and we had to learn how to love each other. Not, and, and it had to evolve. That love had to evolve from just like from when we were teenagers to, you know, now. And it does change and it's okay that it changes. Uh, it's just can be tricky sometimes to like, especially if you remember something and that's not what it is anymore. And you have, and like, sometimes I get sucked into that and I'm like, oh, yeah, wait, wait, wait. that's not, we're not doing that anymore. This is, you know, I have to translate it differently. Mm-hmm. And that can, that can be a struggle. It can also be really exciting and an adventure too, because you get to like learn, you know? That's it. And everything is an adventure. I'd very oh, yeah. we like an adventure, you know. We like you to jump on board for adventure. <laughs> oh yeah. I say life is an adventure because like I just I can't it can't be something scary. It has to be an adventure because otherwise I just won't do it. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Oh my gosh, Abigail, it has been such a freaking pleasure to talk to you today. I cannot even say it. You're gonna be back on the show. Just so you know, I don't care about you or whatever we're gonna do. Because you're just fantastic. I really appreciate your thoughts on love. And just as a, um, you know, as a side thought about love, remember, just like Abigail said, lag, the language of love is important. That language of love. So become a translator, people. <laughs> become a translator for the language of love. Use your basic knowledge and figure out what other people are after. And really, let's get this planet on a love kick because it's going to be my love day today. Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Day. <laughs> yes. I'm all about that. Let's do that. Love let's make that happen. The manic <laughs> pixie. I freaking love you so much right now. <laughs> so again, <laughs> Abigail, remind people where they can find you, if you would, please. Oh, absolutely. So the podcast is the manic pixie weirdo. Um, you can find it on all places that you get to podcast, you know, iTunes, Apple, Spotify, blah, 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 all the places. <laughs> um, com is probably the best way to contact me because I check that like religiously. Um, I will interact with you a little bit on Instagram. It's not like my main thing because I don't do pictures. I do words. So Twitter is at podcast, and the Instagram is the underscore main underscore weirdo one. Awesome. It has been a God blessed pleasure to have you on here. I'm loving this. And it was just, so fun. <laughs> I'm having you back on just so you know. Oh, yay. I told totally you. Good. Have-
And for all you guys out there listening, you can watch us on YouTube at Buried Pleasures. You can also find me at buriedpleasures.com. You can find me on the podcast and this lovely girl right here, Abigail. Uh, you can find us at Buried Pleasures on Apple, Spotify, Amazon. Yeah, blah, 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 all of them. And remember to take a listen to just some podcasts for advanced practitioners if you get a chance and also Nurse Papa. Guys, thank you so much for listening abigail you're a dream i love you <laughs> thank you and we will see you next time water's up to my chest once i fight it to the very end many men try to reach it Sunrise